Blog Talk Radio. I'm Raina Star, so you don't have to be. Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So, bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might offend you. This is not the show for you. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the incredibly wicked one herself, the amazing Dorothy Morrison. And guess what? It is my favorite time of the year. What does that mean? It means that Dorothy Morrison has put out a pre-order for the amazing Home Blessing Balls for 2024. And you know what your Auntie Raina always tells you, balls are best in pairs. So go get you a couple, tell her Auntie Raina sent you, and check out the page on social media for wickedwitchstudios.com. Love y'all. Okay, so I am so excited about today's guest, I can barely stand myself right now. I have with me the author of The Evil Eye, author Antonio Pagliarulo. Antonio, thank you so much for coming. Oh, thank you, Raymond. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, so excited, so excited. So give me give too. my folks a little bit give my folks a little bit of background on you, where you came from. I mean, I know you have been writing and working and investigating and you've been everywhere and it seems like but it almost seems like you're an overnight sensation. You know what I mean? Like this has been the year of Antonio. Like everyone wants to get their hands on you. Everyone wants to talk to you. It's like you suddenly exploded with this book. How does it all feel? Uh, Well, thank you for that. Um, You know, it's been wonderful. The response has been wonderful. Um, I've I've had many readers who've contacted me. And that it's a wonderful feeling, and it's been a journey, though. You know, the whole thing has been a journey. And um, it, it, when you're writing a book, when you're researching a book, when you're working as a writer, as I have been for a long time, it kind of doesn't always feel like an overnight kind of thing. But once the book comes out, it, it is this sort of, you know, magical kind of thing that happens. And everyone, you know, gets in touch and, and reads and people post online. And um, so that's the fact that it creates this sort of, you know, community where people are learning different things and experiencing different things. And, and it's, yeah, it, it, look, it's a wonderful feeling when somebody writes to me and says, oh, hey, I, for the first time, you know, I tried, you know, I detected the evil eye. I used one of the methods and, and guess what? This happened. Yes. And, and it's a wonderful thing. And because that's the whole point, it's, it's not only the whole point of the book, you know, it's not only to make people aware of the evil eye and what it is and the energy that, that can impact your life or the lives of your loved ones, but it's also how to, you know, uh, detect that energy, to dispel it, to learn the different ways of, of being intuitive about when it's around you. And it's been a wonderful, okay. wonderful experience. It really has. So you're from New York. You're from the Boogie Down Bronx, as we know. Born, yeah. Um, and you were, yep. oh, yeah, and you, you were raised kind of what I call Catholic mysticism. Um, and, you know, I love the fact that you don't shy away from any of that because so many people are like, well, I want to ignore everything that might be associated with anything other than paganism or, or Wicca or fill in the blank as far as that side of spirituality goes. And you, like, em- this book embraces it. Like, I... I- I can only speak for me, but, like, I still pray to St. Anthony when I lose something. And I was, Mm -hmm. you know, taught that by a friend. So I'm like, no, 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 we don't have to exclude. We can include various forms, right? Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, that's so much a part of growing up. And like you said, I, I, yes, I was was born here in Manhattan, but I was raised in the Bronx. I spent most of my adult life Mm -hmm. in Manhattan, but 
my upbringing, we grew up in a, you know, a two-family house in the Bronx, and we lived upstairs. My parents and my siblings and I and my grandparents, my maternal grandparents, lived downstairs. And they were, yep. you know, immigrants. They were from Italy. My parents were from Italy, are from Italy. And growing up, this was, um, it was very common to go downstairs in my grandmother and my grandfather's apartment. And you know, there were bowls of water because my grandmother was always, someone was always calling her to find out if they had the evil eye, to take it off. And so <laughs> this was normal. Yeah. And my grandfather um, did everything, you know, according to the phases of the moon. He made wine in the basement of our home. Um, and when that was done, he would, you know, move these barrels and these jugs up to a certain level based on the moon. He planted, you know, we had our garden in the Bronx uh, that he did according to the phases of the moon. He was well-versed in, in you know, um, hand gestures that he used. He taught us to do, you know, different things for healing, for protection, this kind of thing. And yet um, my grandparents would, you know, they don't, would have never considered themselves witches. They were Roman Catholics. Mm-hmm. And they were devout right. Roman Catholics. They were simply practicing, yeah, you know, the, the folk traditions that they grew up with, the, the, these rituals that were all around them in their, you know, in their town in Italy. And they brought that with yeah. them. Of course, we learned it, thankfully. Um, but, and then my siblings and I went to, you know, a private Catholic school. Uh, and I always refer to, you know, people laugh at me all the time. I, and they'll say something like, oh, you did this, or how did you do, you know, and I'll say, well, listen, uh, I'll tell you, I have Sister Mary deadline on one shoulder, and Sister Mary get it done on the other shoulder, so, you know. There I'm you always, go. You know, I, I, yeah, I always say, I'm like, oh, how did you do that? My nuns, you know, I talk about that. I grew up very much um, in the church, in the Catholic church. We, you know, our Catholic school was there next door, right down the block was the church, but there was, an, uh, for me, the experience, there was a lot of, I, personally, I just, I grew up loving what I saw, you know, in my grandmother's kitchen. And as I say, I, I feel very blessed to have been raised, you know, with the tradition of magic, but also the magic of tradition, because that was that tradition right. and it stays with you and it formed the foundation for, for my own life, even as a, as a practitioner. Um, and I don't shy away from any of, of the Catholic, um, you know, the saints or some of the prayers, because listen, I, They've, those prayers, those ritual, rituals have helped me. I know many people yeah. that they have helped. Um, and I, I think a lot of people have responded to that. And, you know, like you said, you call on St. Anthony. Um, and, yep. you know, you don't have to be, the first thing you have to know is you don't have to be Catholic. You don't have to be Christian. You call upon a saint because a saint is, you know, part of our beloved dead. And they will respond to you. They were human. They were human. The saints were human. They get it. They understand why you're calling out to them. You know, they've been there. They've done that. So I don't, yeah, I, I don't shy away from it at all. I love that because so many people feel like you must eliminate one for magical practice. And it's so not true. I mean, now most of us were not as lucky as you in the regard of having grandparents who carried the mysticism just in their bones, learning from their, their ancestors. Um, and I love how you marry all of this together, and I think it makes for a much more holistic magic practitioner because we can go back and recognize the traditions from our various families and use that in our magic instead of just being so, well, I can't do that. That was when, you know, when we believed in Christianity or that's when we believed in Judaism or that's still in the blank. Right. So I, I love the fact that you kind of, with this book, amongst other things, kind of reunify us to who we are. And I, I know that sounds like way out there, but I'm just telling you, this book is amazing and it does this and it brings in other influences. You don't have to even be a magical practitioner to get something out of this book. We've all felt energies that are weird. We've all, quite frankly, I'll just speak for me. I know I've done this shit, not even on purpose, which I kind of want to do a little bit of a dive into in a little bit. Mm -hmm. But before we went on on the air, you know, I had asked Antonio because, you know, 
I was always told that the symbol, the blue eye, is the Nazar. I hear other people refer to it as the evil eye, and for me that always generated confusion. Well, if it's supposed to protect me from the evil eye, why am I wearing the evil eye? And it just never made sense. And I know I'm not the only person who thought this or was confused by it. Please explain it. Well, it's true. It's true. Many people have asked me that, and I address them in the book because doing the, when I was doing the research and wanting to write about various aspects of it, especially the amulet, um, it, the true, you know, the blue, the white, the concentric circles that everyone wear, what people refer to most of the time as they say, oh, I'm going to put on my evil eye necklace. I'm going to put on my evil eye bracelet. Um, I get it. That's what has sort of just become, you know, sort of a common speech of things. It's like that's what, you know, I'm going to call on my evil eye bracelet or whatever. But the fact of the matter is you are wearing a bazaar. Um, and I right. do try to, you know, I tell people you might want to think about that and read about it a little bit more because, not only will it give you a chance to really go into um, learning more about the symbol and its history, but also, I, you know, I personally, the idea of saying, oh, I'm going to put on my evil eye, I don't, you know, you want right. what you're, you're doing with an amulet is deflecting it. You want to work to dispel that energy. So I try to, um, to get people to say, you know, think about it. You know, if you feel, you know, listen, if it works for you and you want to call it that you're wearing your evil eye, that's okay, I guess, if you're working with that, with that way, and it's okay. But it is, in fact, a Nazar. That's the, the proper name. Um, and I very often tell people, you know, when they come up to me, and it happened literally not a week ago, um, someone said to me, oh, look, I bought this beautiful, Nazar, uh, this beautiful evil eye necklace. And I said, it is beautiful, uh-huh. but you know you're wearing a Nazar. And she said, I heard right. it. You know, she said, yes, I, I you know, I read about that in your book and this kind of thing, and she said, I have to get used to sort of thinking of it as a Nazar. Um, it's just, you know, we call a Hamsa a Hamsa. We call a Nazar right. a Nazar. Um, and it is, yes, right. and, and many, many people have asked me that question and written about it. So I think it's, it's on people's minds. And you can think, because when you do think about it, you think, you know, oh, I'm, I'm putting on an evil eye. What, what does that exactly mean? It's kind of counterintuitive when you really think about it. You're putting on the evil eye, but then you're trying to yeah. get it off of you, aren't you? <laughs> That's, you want to get it away from you. You want to get that energy out, but you're, you're saying, you know, you're, you're stating that, you know, I'm putting it on. No, you know, you're putting on an azar. And I think it may take time, you know, for people to kind of uh, yeah. get used to that, but that it is called an azar. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I, I still hear people, and, you know, this is, this is just sometimes we get lazy and we rename, rename things inappropriately. But I'm a big believer in, you know, behind the intention of magic are the words that we use. And I think it would just be so much more beneficial to all the beliefs um, to refer to it by its proper name as opposed to the evil eye because, again, words are important and intention is important. So. I just think Very true. I wanted that explained out there so that folks would know it's not really evil eye jewelry. It's in the czar to protect against the evil eye. So I wanted to ask, and yeah. you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but of hmm. course, you know, up for discussion. Have you had experience with accidentally throwing the maloch? You mean, um, like, unintentionally think casting it on yeah. someone? Yeah. I think when I was, over the years, you know, being a practitioner and really, over the years, one of the, the things, you know, when you practice, you really strengthen your intuition. And you get to know feelings that are, you know, your own feelings. And you get to be, at least my, my experience over the years, you get this little ding inside of you that sort of gives you a, an alert for me, at least if you have any underlying envy for something. I, mm-hmm. Nowadays more, I feel that. I'm aware of it a little, you know, more. But I think yeah. one of the reasons why the evil eye, uh, Malokyo, Nazar, you know, Maldo, or whatever we're going to call it, um, from 
so many different traditions. It's so ubiquitous around the world. One of the reasons it right. is so ubiquitous and one of the reasons it has survived for so long um, is because we talk about it, it's a, this kind of quote-unquote supernatural force. But don't forget, it has an extremely natural source. It is born from emotions that every single one of us, every human being, you have felt, whether or not you want to admit it, you have felt envy, jealousy, you have felt resentment, you have yep. felt anger, or you have been on yep. the receiving end of someone else's jealousy, anger, resentment. Um, and that's one of the points that I always, I always tell people that this book is a friendly reminder about a kind of an unfriendly topic because not a lot of people want to get into this idea of jealousy and envy, you know? Um, but again, it's part of the human condition. These are our emotions. Yeah, and of one of the ways, yeah. look, one of the ways you, you cast the evil eye, as I, I say in the book, one of the ways is intentionally people will sometimes mm-hmm. let you know they don't like you. They don't think you deserve that promotion. They don't think you deserve that good relationship. They don't think you deserve to be living your best life. And then they will let you mm-hmm. know it. That's an intentional way. Yeah. Just they will look at you and you'll feel it. You'll see them. They'll give you a nasty look and you'll know. Then we get into your question where we have the unintentional casting of the evil eye. And that's when you, you know, you give a compliment, but you might not be aware that you have sort of a little underlying envy or, or resentment. That's also why, there are traditions. Now, when I was a kid, I was taught when you give a compliment, you're always supposed to say, God bless you after that. Or, and when I was a kid, we used to go to Italy a lot. And um, in parts of Italy, you'd get a compliment and you would immediately, if someone gave you a compliment, you would spit. Or if someone right. if you gave a compliment, sometimes you would spit. Um, so that's true. And there are other little sort of symbols also, you know, the hand gestures. I walked around as a kid and my, my hands were, you know, the horns, the monocornuta that I talk about in the book. I yeah. had those and my hands were always in that position in my jacket pocket walking down a street or every time I met someone because you never knew who was going to give it to you. So, you know, right. you had your hands there like that. So those little yep. um, gestures that those little, you know, rituals, even if it's knocking on, on wood, if it's saying God bless you, um, if it's tugging at, you yeah. know, like, you know, your ear, if it's, you know, doing anything, those, those little rituals were, are to ward away the evil eye, but also to ward, you know, to make sure that you're not casting it because it's unintentional. So I think in the past, I probably have unintentionally. I think we all have. You know, I think it just happens because, again, that's part of the human condition. We've all felt those, those feelings. And it's, it's totally okay to get in touch with that. Yes. I totally yeah. feel so that. So I'm sure Be- I have. Because, I mean, the way, the way I was raised, I mean, so my father was Jewish, so he would say, mm-hmm. you know, you'd say something nice and then you'd say something else nice and he'd say, no kanaharas. Don't, you know. Right stop but he was very my father was very angry at my mere existence and I think the eye was transmuted from him in such a way to me that it really decimated a lot of my feelings about myself and made me a very defensive person when I was young and Mm -hmm. I feel and I know that there have been times where I have looked at a boyfriend or a friend and I have heard this phrase said to me more than once, don't look at me in that tone of voice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And, yes, and, I, very much. and I know, yeah, and I know that that is, and I didn't even realize it until, you know, I started reading your book and I'm like, oh, shit, I do this. And I don't even mean to do this. And I have to get a grip on myself because I don't even realize it until after after something's happened. And I feel like the shittiest human being in the world. So this was a sincere eye-opener as far as you have to recognize and be honest with yourself. You can lie to the world all day. But you've got to know you. And we're all capable Mm -hmm. of putting out that negative, hurtful energy, even when we don't mean to. So this is a real wake-up call about self-awareness 
And the other thing, which is a huge component, is talking about the fact that if you if you you're so boastful, you brag too much, mm-hmm. you're going to draw that ire from other people. And I'm like, yeah. I know mm-hmm. I I know I've been on the receiving end and I know I've been on the dealing end of this situation and I was wondering what you thought or how you think I can better get a grasp when I have done this unintentionally but I already how do I undo my own as quickly as possible I think undoing your own, when, you, when you've caught yourself in that moment, I believe two things. I think when you're aware, self-aware, and you've caught yourself in that moment, you said, oh, sh-, you know, I just did that. Um, I think your mere yeah. awareness of doing it in a way um, negates it in, because your feeling of, of knowing that you did it is, it is an energy in and of itself. That awareness is an energy yeah. in and of itself. So also, though, if that's, I've caught myself in situations um, where I've certainly felt like I was going toward that, you know, sort of route. And, I, and you, like you said, you don't want to go that route um, at, most right. of the time. That, that's another topic we'll get into. But um, right. I don't want to go there. But I think sometimes for me, it's literally I repeat. I do the things that I was taught to do when I was younger. Um, I will say, God bless you if I give a compliment, um, even though sometimes people might not want to hear it. Sometimes I'll do a hand gesture um, to, you know, say, and I'll, I'll just literally repeat it. That will be my intention. I'll just say, you know what, if I cast something, you know, cast it out. I, I did not do that or it's gone. You know, you, meant, you can say it, you can intone it to yourself, but once you state it there, your intention is there. And if your intention, if, you, if it was strong enough to realize what you just did, then your awareness is in a good place. It's strong enough in your intention to make sure it doesn't, you know, take, so to speak. That's how, how I, I still go about it. Um, simple. Yeah. It's, it's simple, but, you know, sometimes the simplest, you know, listen, the simplest things sometimes are extremely powerful. And just that, and that's why you brought up that the awareness of things. When you become aware not only of the evil eye and what it is and the energy that's there, but Practicing it, becoming aware of it, and then practicing some of the rituals, some of the prayers. Just when you do that, you do become aware of things because you start. You you know you might be as I you might be looking at the world in one way, but then you start practicing and start learning about the evil eye, and then you start seeing the world in a different way. And when you make that sort of subtle shift, it's not so subtle because. You also can't, like you mentioned before about the boasting, which is the third way. People often bring about the evil eye. You know, you kind of, you, you bring, you know, you stab at fate right there. And mm-hmm. it's about how many pictures, you know, oh, look, you have to celebrate your achievements, your family's achievements. That's, you want to celebrate. You want to be proud. You, you know, you want to give yourself a pat on the back. You want all, because that's necessary. You know, that's a part of life, being happy, being proud, celebrating an achievement, whether it's the job promotion, the marriage, anything. You know, you want the world to know those things. Of course you do. We all do. But there's a fine line between do you have to post, posting one picture of the beautiful new house and posting 55 pictures of the new house. Um, A big difference between you know, at the beginning of the week stating, you know, listen, I'm so grateful, you know, my dream home, my dream job, I'm so grateful, thanks. And maybe, you know, not doing it again Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, you know, is it necessary? And right. you, there's a, you have to live, I, and I tell people a lot, you have to live and go on living. You can't go around thinking that everything is going to, every compliment is going to, you know, be a sugar-coated stab or everyone's going to go around, you know, giving me this. That's, that's not a healthy way to live either, but you can live mindfully. And that means becoming aware of also your own actions and your own ways of interacting with the world. Social media is interacting with the world. Mm-hmm. And I've been with friends. I've been in my own living room. I've been at a dinner table. And I'm like, you just posted a picture about that. It's great. Everyone's proud. I, you know, you need to post five more. Do, why? Like, right. what is it that you need right. to do? Like, that, that's being mindful mm-hmm. of something. And that is being mindful of the fact that, yes, 
you know, listen, people go through things. People, it's, it's tough times. We all go through tough times, but it's just inevitable. If you're going to go out and boast about all these wonderful, good, incredible things, including that vacation that's about to happen that you, you know, you spent all this money on because you have it and all that, that's great. It's wonderful. But you are going to draw the jealousy and the envy of many people. Yeah. And when that happens, yeah. what's going to happen? How are you going to handle that? That yeah, becomes it, the question. It, you're, you're asking for trouble. <clears throat> to me, it's like asking for trouble for sure because I've noticed that you're very careful in your posting. Like I have friends who post every time they wipe their ass. It's like, no, we don't need mm. to know this fucking much about you. I love you, but you need to stop <laughs> because because I think each for good or for or for ill, whatever you put on social media, you have exposed part of yourself in such a tremendous way that it's a privacy you never get back. So the things that you you, you yeah. really have to put more consideration into what should stay private and what is safe to put out in public. I mean, you don't you don't have a lot of stuff out there. I've I've looked. I've checked. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, well, I do because I'm because I'm very careful about what I post because you know people will use it against you whether intentionally, unintentionally. There's certain things that everybody doesn't need to know except your very very close friends. And if they're that close to you, pick up a phone and tell them. You don't need to do everything on blast. And I think folks forget. The more of yourself you expose online, the more you can draw, for good or bad, someone's ire, someone's appreciation, but it's always a double-edged mm-hmm. sword, right? It is, and I always say, you know, that, that post, it might sound dramatic, but that post is a portal. So what comes into it, what comes out of it, you know, you don't know yeah. what's coming in. And I'll tell you, though, it's, but here's an example. Growing up, of course, we grew up, my grandparents, as I said, were down said very, very much. Everything was about being quiet. You stayed quiet. And to the extent of where mm-hmm. um, a new toy, the shiny new toy we got, whatever it was, don't, you exposed it to the, your friends, your kids, you know, the kids on the block. You exposed it little by little because otherwise that could get the evil eye. You know, that kids would get jealous of you and that would be, you know, too much. Um, if you, you know, you made the honor roll and you got this award, that's good. Don't talk about mm-hmm. both of I still hear my grandfather saying, don't go as excellent, wonderful things to me in Italian and, you know, you know, sort of, right. you know, patting my shoulder or patting me on the back and saying, I'm proud of you. That's great. Be quiet. That's always what it was. Don't go out there and start saying yeah. about it. You know, don't, don't tell this person, that person. Uh, now that oh, yeah. gives, gave us a certain, you know, we lived a certain way, including, you know, my siblings and I about how you grow up and that's actually very common. Yeah. Um, especially in Italian families, but you mm-hmm. also, when, as you grow up and as, even if, you know, you're just looking at it now as an adult and you feel that way, you can't live always in the shadow of that. The more you right. go into the study and the understanding of the evil eye, believe it or not, the, the more visible that fine line becomes and you just start to understand it through your own intuition and through the energy around you, you open something up inside of yourself uh, and you start to, you, you'll literally get a feeling. You'll, you'll post, you'll go to post that picture and you'll say, you know, I don't mm-hmm. need to do this again, you know, or right. you'll walk into a room, you'll be at, a, at an event or whatever it is. And you'll, you'll feel things, you'll feel things, you'll sit there and you'll mm-hmm. say, you know what? I don't need to tell these two strangers that I just got a promotion um, because right. I don't know how the, I feel about that. Or I often tell people, you know, everyone thinks it's, it's um, you know, the ex-boss, the ex-lover, the ex-friend. You know, 10 years ago you fell out. You had this bad blood between you, and uh, they, they, you know, bad stuff is going on. They don't want me to live my best life. So that's, that might very well be true, but here, and here's the difficult part. You have to become aware of the fact that sometimes it's also people around you right now um, and you might mm-hmm. not be aware of it, or you might be aware of it, but you don't really want to accept it because it's a bitter pill to swallow. But there are people around you right now, be it your friends, your family members, your coworkers, who are harboring feelings of envy and who don't want to see you living your best life. 
and that's a sad reality, For but sure. it, that is a fact. There are people in your yeah. life right and now who are saying, I love you, um, but inside yeah. they kind of don't want you to get that perfect relationship. They don't want you to get that job that you've been getting. They don't want you to get the bigger boost in your bank account for their own reasons, but those reasons are all, you know, rooted in envy, all of them. Absolutely. And that's Absolutely. something to understand. Oh. Yeah. Uh, 100%. But let me ask you this. Mm. Is it the same kind of portal when somebody goes in the opposite direction and says, you know, nothing ever works right for me, everything always falls apart for me, I've got a lot of people in my life where they never had the sunshine on their face to hear them talk about it. And it's mm-hmm. almost like they're inviting that same kind of negative, I mean, it's not jealousy, but it's more like kind of a cursing pathetic yourself. Yeah, yeah. And, and then people yeah. are looking at you like, what, you've never had a pleasant moment in your life? Your entire world is shit? I mean, it's, it's not even possible for everything to be horrible all at once. Shit, I'll tell you what. In February, my car got crushed by a tree. Um, my mm. ex-husband okay. dropped dead. I, I got oh sick three times. But it was like, it was a series of unfortunate incidents that just seemed to be sucked into one month. And it mm-hmm. was just a confluence of, of shit. But it went away almost as quickly as it started. It's like the world was falling apart, and then the world went right back together afterwards. Maybe somebody yeah. was throwing something. Maybe maybe I was being negative. Maybe I did it to myself because I do believe that we're really good at casting magic on ourselves, whether we want to or not. And I think we need to be super careful when we talk to ourselves about how much negativity mm-hmm. we throw on ourselves. Absolutely. Self-talk is a huge, huge yeah. part of um, really a drawing energy and, and of creating uh, certain, certain circumstances. But this goes back to as well, um, when you start, when, whatever sort of magical, and again, it doesn't have, you don't have to call yourself a magical practitioner. You don't have to be a witch. You don't have to be a folk magic practitioner. These are things right. that because we're dealing so specifically with an energy that is a part of every human being, once you start... Yep taking upon the responsibility for yourself, saying, you know what, there's so much in life that we cannot control, okay? But something Mm -hmm. like this, learning about the energy of envy, of the evil eye, when you learn about that energy and how it starts, um, you know, permeating your own life and sort of rising up and you see it and you recognize it, what happens, another aspect of of the learning is that you do start realizing your own self-talk and you do start hearing your thoughts and you do start saying, you know what, I, I'm kind of this, this idea that I have in my head, I'm, I'm constantly saying this doesn't work out, that doesn't work out, I'm not good enough, I didn't deserve, you know, and what do you get down to? I don't deserve that or I didn't deserve this. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things that comes out. I've always felt like that's one of the gifts that comes out of doing any sort of spiritual work or sort of any sort of internal work where you, think about what's going on, and you, then you start uh-huh. to hear it. You can think about it, but then you really start to hear it internally in a different way. And I don't even know if I'm articulating it. I, I feel so strongly about well, that because I know it's happened to me. It's happened to me. And after yeah. a long time of, you know, practicing um, and even, you know, meditating, practicing, or just stillness, just being still for a while, which people find so difficult to do, and um, I yeah. found it difficult in the beginning, but I learned over the years, you know, just the magic of stillness. And from there, you will start to have a conversation with yourself, and you will hear those thoughts. And once you hear them in that, in that specific way, you'll, you'll understand what's going on, at least in your way of thinking. And once you yeah. start to understand that way of thinking, you can change the way you think. So that's it, it becomes a... A very powerful thing. Oh, yeah. Well, well, like I said, your book has been a complete eye-opener for me because I never, you know, I have a hot temper, very quick to anger. I'm also quick to cool off after a while. And 
know that there's like this flash of shit that comes out of me that I don't intend. But then I try to, you know, but I didn't even realize I was doing it. Now it's like, oh, got to clean that up right away. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're not doing that. That's not mm-hmm. what we meant. Um, and it's almost like, you know, just something escaping and you got to go back and corral it really fast. Because I don't think people realize just how easy it is to give that kind of power at somebody. Um, and it's, it's something you've got to be so careful with. But that brings me to my next question. Mm-hmm. Because children, children are full of raw energy. Do you think children are particularly good at giving that energy off when they're angry? Because children also, I mean, I'm, listen, I'm still a kid in my brain, but it's like, you know, flash anger, and then, you know, you're pissed for like 10 minutes, and then it's, you, you totally forget what you were mad about. But because children have such raw emotion and they're not practicing controlling it, do you think this is why a lot of adults fear kids? You know, I, I don't think that kids can give off that energy in, in the sense of, of the evil eye energy um, and that kind of negativity because I grew up, I'll tell you, children, we were taught growing up, children were so vulnerable to the evil eye, to getting the effects of the evil eye. And that's why you, certain part, you had your red string sometimes tied around your the stroller, um, you had saint medals that were put upon you immediately. You had things that were sort of hidden that your grandmother might have given you in the bedroom. You kept it under your desk. You carried something in your pocket with you. I did throughout high school. I carried stuff. They were in, you know, the two coats that I wore, you know, throughout winter, there was each the pocket in each of them was, had some sort of amulet in it that was meant specifically for that reason. And when I was a kid, even in my Catholic school uniform, you know, I had the amulets on, um, and yeah. we were taught that the kids were the most really so vulnerable to it. I don't think I, I, the emotion, yes, they do have raw emotion, but I also think kids, you know, are, are so resilient um, in some ways more so than, than adults can be, you know, because they get oh, yeah. that raw emotion out and then things can sort of right themselves. You know, it, it can be, they, they make a turn, right? They get it all out and then, you know, they're done with it. They, they're tired, um, and it, they kind of forget about. It. They do. They forget about. It. They kind of let it go. Adults, I think, have more of a problem letting things go, and so we hold sure. on to things oh. a lot more, you know, in that way. Oh yeah, no, it's a hundred percent. I was just wondering about your take on it because sometimes I see, and it could be because the adult is the shitty person in the situation, and the kid just knows this. Even just intuitively, oh, that's just a fucked up adult. I'm not going to mess with that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think that's why a yeah. lot of adults shy away from children. One of the things that see, I, I remember was very funny, um, thinking back on it, if you were angry, I remember being like, you know, nine years old, ten years old, and I'd be angry whoever, maybe someone said no, someone yelled at me, whatever, and you know, I would, yeah. like a lot of kids, you know, you'd give a dirty look. And I remember either one of my aunts or even my mom and my grandparents, and they would say, oh, look at him, which means he looked at the literal <laughs> translation of that in dialect was, he looked at me, you know, crooked. He looked, he gave me a crooked look. It's a broken kind of look. And that was a reference to, you know, watch what you're looking, watch how you look at me. You know, because it was a bad thing. He'll tell your mother, you know, your kid, you know, the meaning something's going on there. You know, your kid's angry, then he gave me a dirty look. So that was a big thing growing up. It was watch the way you looked at, at people too. Again, that was a reference to going into, you know, what are you, you know, careful when you look at people because you want to be mindful of that. Um, it all comes down to this idea that energy is real and energy is there. Um, but that I remember very well. I think though that, we do, and I remember we get over things more when we're kids. That, you know, the, the tantrum, the crying, it's energy, it's raw energy, but kids get over things. We tend to really hold on to stuff. You know, we hold grudges a lot longer as adults. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, you know, like sometimes my friend, I would have a friend over and, you know, I'd hear it from the other room, Pacha de Boot. So I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> I better, better get this guy out of here right now because my father's going to come in and some shit's going to go down. No, no, Pacha de Boot, the face of the devil. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you got to be, you know, got to be careful, got to be careful. Um, you got to be careful. But I also wanted to. I, I also wanted to hear you talk about charging the Nazar. I have a wall of Nazar. Like, I collect them. Um, our mutual friend, Sandra Mariah Wright, who uh, is mm-hmm. the ho- co-host of the Psychic Tea, who is a yes. good friend of mine whom I love, um, she love supplies me for my habits. It's insane. I have I have so many of the Nazar in hamster form, in horseshoe form. Oh, that reminds me. I wanted to ask you about this because my husband said to me, I don't know about this particular one. So I've got a Nazar that has a horseshoe, but the the ends of the horseshoe were facing down. And he was always taught that you never face them down. But on this particular Nazar, they are facing down, and I said, "Well, they would never. She would never give me anything bad for me." So I told him I would ask you, "Is it okay that the ends are down on the horseshoe on the Nazar that we have?" So that's a question with a lot of many people will have different answers, and I'll tell you, I didn't. We didn't have horseshoes a lot growing up, but it's a question I had, and I'll tell you what I was taught. I was taught that when the horseshoe okay. is mounted in a tongue and it's, you know, the ends are pointed down, it mm-hmm. meant that, um, the, you know, the energy was able to just flow, you know, and sort of flow more freely, almost like, you know, it goes around your house. If it's sort of circulating around, whereas I know I was taught that always when you, you hang it up like over the door, yeah. it's just it sort of allows it, I don't know if I'm articulating right, it catches it in a way. When, you're, when, when it's up, okay. it catches that good fortune or catches that good energy, and it's there and sort of yeah. when it's pointed down, it allows it more to kind of circulate. And that's interesting. I'd, I'd be interested to hear um, the opinions of people listening about that because you'll hear different things. I do have a friend who will not do um, a horseshoe pointed down. He's just absolutely not. He says no. Same thing with, um, he's also, he also will not have an elephant. Like if you get him an elephant figurine or anything, even a greeting card. Remember once we gave him a greeting card, it was funny, and the elephant on it and the trunk was pointed down, and he sort of cast it across the table and said, get rid of this. No, I won't take this. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. Oh so God. he had an interest. He grew up different culture, different place, um, but his take on that was different. I had that same question about the, the horseshoe thing. But I was taught that it's, it's good luck, the horseshoe, no matter which way, but sort of putting it points up meant it sort of caught it or retained it, and then putting it down, put them, putting the points down allowed this energy to kind of circulate more. That's what I was, I love that. was taught. I love that. Yeah. Because when I was a kid, you had to have it pointed up to hold the good energy, but if you flipped it upside down, it meant all the good energy would, would just run out. I like your explanation so much better, <laughs> and so that's the no. I I believe that if you if you resonate you with something, yeah. you can you can absolutely change your mind about it, even if you thought it was true all your life. And I'm 62 years old, so that's a long ass time. So I'm going to tell well, that's him also when he true gets of the home. Amulet. Yeah. 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 I'm going to tell him when he gets home. He's got to hang the horseshoe exactly the way it is because. We've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I've got probably nine, ten hanging right now. And I'm mm-hmm. trying to do like an entire, I want to do an entire wall of them because they are beautiful and they speak to my mystical heart. And he was just like, you got to ask Antonio. My husband's Calabrian. <laughs> so he's like, I don't know. we got to ask the expert. Yeah, you know, she's like, we got to ask the expert. I don't know. I'm like, all right, I'll ask the expert. He'll tell me. So perfect. Yes, Thank they're you. wonderful Thank you. Now the live traditions. Of course. 
You can yeah. hang it. And I, I love many of the evil eye. And my family, my mother's family, my father's family is from Bari, and my mother's family is from, you know, the Provincia Caserta. But um, in Calabria, yeah. there are wonderful um, rituals and prayers for the evil eye that actually call specifically sometimes on Santa Rosalia, and they're beautiful, beautiful prayer. Yeah, many, many beautiful prayers and traditions from Calabria, and I loved it when I was much younger and went there. Thank you. Yeah. He'll, he'll appreciate that for sure. But, you know, I'm so in love with them. And since I got – I mean, I always loved having the Nazar around. And my, I mean, years ago, he, brought, he bought me a Hamsa that was just so beautiful, and the, the eye in the middle was purple, and it was just – so striking, and I've, I've always loved this, this symbol, and I've always felt drawn to it. So, you know, and Sandra will tell you, I am absolutely obsessed. I have some, I have them in my car. I have them at my at my job. I have a special place that I have to hung up at my job, mm-hmm. uh, right by my desk, to protect the business, to protect my job, to protect my coworkers even though half of them have no fucking clue because I live in North Carolina now and, you know, a lot of these folks have no idea what I'm talking about. That's fine. But, but you, you know, form a I, relationship I, with your amulets. Oh, yeah. You know, people form oh, yeah. relationships with their amulets. And um, whether it's an amulet, whether you're wearing it or whether you're hanging it on a wall, you're hanging it above the doorway, the kitchen, the front of the house, we all form yep. relationships with what were those amulets or those symbols. And, it's what makes you feel protected and safe. It's what resonates with you. Yeah. Um, I have, I've yeah. known people who are not, you know, certainly weren't raised Catholic, Catholic or Christian, and they, you know, love wearing their Archangel Michael medal. Um, yep. I yep. know many people who have affinities with different saints, you know, St. Therese of Lisieux, and um, who are not Catholic, but they know the story. Uh, like you said, St. Anthony, and then there are medals, um, not medals, but there are other amulets um, from different traditions. And what, when sure. you wear it or when you keep it in your car, when you put it on your desk, when you hang it on the wall, you're interacting with it energetically every single day. So you have a relationship with yeah. that amulet. And it, it has its own power. So another thing, I wear one permanently on my right wrist. And one of the cousins said to me, you shouldn't sleep with it on. You should always take it off at night. When you take a shower, you sleep. And I'm like, no, I want to wear it all the time. I have one that's made out of stainless steel and has the beads. But I don't take it off because why would I not want to be protected in my sleep and in the shower when I can break my ass Mm -hmm. if I fall? So what are your thoughts on the folks that say, well, I mean, it's true. What do you think about the folks that say, oh, you shouldn't wear it to sleep or you shouldn't wear it to shower? What are your thoughts about that? Well, I was, so when I got um, an amulet as a kid, and it was either the, you know, the cornetto, the horn, along with the monocornuta, which was, you know, the, the hand making the two horns, or it was those yes. two in addition with a saint metal, um, you were at least one of those that they weren't on all on one string. Um, you did not take that off. And I had, um, you know, around my neck for I don't know how many years. So I slept with mine we, for the reasons you said, you know, you, you want protection during sleep um, when you're going anywhere. Mm-hmm. So we did not take them off. I, off, I mean, I, right now I, I do take off certain amulets because if I didn't, I, I, it's, so, I wear so many amulets. <laughs> I happen to like bling. So when oh, I wear too. the amulets, I'd be, I I'd be weighed down. I don't know how much. But um, if you want to take <laughs> off your amulet, you, you maybe you have it on for, for years at a time. But if you feel like you need to sort of recharge that amulet or you think like, you know what, let me just, you know, power it up again. I often tell people you, do, you could do that in just a few minutes. You know, you can take it off. You can get a small bowl or a glass, fill it with water, put some salt in there. You can either use your fingers to sort of just bless it, cleanse it, bless it, say whatever prayers or intentions you have over it. You can give it a good dunk in the water with the salt 
and you could leave it out for just a minute or two to dry and then put it back in, a pet, put it back on. Yep. But that's, um, that's my recommendation for at least one. I, I don't sleep, you know, as a kid, even we didn't sleep with many of them. There was that one sort of that you always had on. Um, but I think if you, if you feel comfortable doing that in sleep, I also, I know people who can't sleep with anything around their neck or anything on their wrists. And that's, I get that too, but I think it's okay. I mean, that's how I was raised. And if you want to take it off, you do it. Um, you, you make it a quick thing. You know, it's a quick event so that you're putting it back on within a few minutes, really. Where you can be like your psycho auntie Raina here. When you go in to take a shower, you take a little salt with you at, because mine is stainless steel and I just rub it, I rub it, rub it, rub it before I take my official shower, and that way it's salted, it's clean, you're in the shower, mm-hmm. you got it, it's on. You don't even have to take it off. As long as you're not in danger of injury, choking, right, um, choking, yeah. bruising, or hurting yourself, it's perfect. then it's perfectly fine. Again, I, you know, some of the cousins are like, you can't do this, you can't do that, and I'm like, eh, bullshit. I'm going to do what I want to do because I'm like that. Anyway, um, so I had gotten I had gotten um, a Nazar recently, and the eye and it has like multiple layers in it and multiple eyes. And I noticed that one of the pieces the eye had come off of and was missing. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this may mean something. So I. What I did was I pulled that entire piece out of the, the wall hanging completely and rejoined the other sections together because I'm like, it's too beautiful. I'm not giving this up. Um, but was that crazy or should I have left it alone and just looked for a piece to replace it with? Or are you thinking, no. well, if that piece didn't want to be there, maybe I was right to take it out? I think you're fine if you take that. Now, an amulet, whether you're wearing it or hanging it, and something else mm-hmm. that I often let people know, if they come to me or say to me, I've had it happen, a lot of people will say, oh, I had a beautiful Hamsa, a beautiful Nazar, a beautiful whatever, whatever amulet they're wearing, but it broke, and, I, and, and I'm really sort of upset by that, or it was on my wall and it came crashing down or suddenly I looked at it, it was hanging up near my window and I looked at it and there's a huge crack running through it. And I'm upset because that must mean that there's really bad energy. And actually I remind people that if your amulet breaks, if you see a crack in it, if whatever it is, you know, it chips, it breaks, it falls off. That means the amulet has done its job. It caught the hit for you. So an amulet is doing its job. Don't get upset. If you turn around and say, oh, my God, you know, it fell right off of my neck and it shattered on the floor. You know, some people have glass, a beautiful ceramic, and it shatters on the floor. And you think, oh, my God, what happened? I can't believe that. I I must be cursed. Actually, no. Your your amulet is doing its job. Same thing if it's, you know, in the kitchen, it's in the bedroom, whichever one. Even if you're doing a ribbon, you know, the red ribbon, whether it's a red string around your wrist, whether you're tying a ribbon around – a particular piece of furniture in your house. Sometimes they're tied around chairs underneath for various reasons. Well, always for, you know, to ward away the evil eye, but you might want to put it on a specific chair that someone sits on for reasons. If you wear it and it comes off or it comes undone or you find it suddenly on the floor, you know, it got ripped or whatever, it just means the same thing. The amulet is doing its job and it caught the hit for you. That's the hit. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for saying that. Because mm-hmm. for me, it was always the same principle as when you would wear a hematite ring. Hematite rings are mm-hmm. infamous for cracking while you're wearing them. I always used to wear one on my thumb. And I would get, when I was younger, I would get so mad when it would break. And I'm like, I probably just shouldn't be wearing this because I keep breaking them. And it was explained mm-hmm. to, me by an, to me by another family member, no, 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 no. That's good that it broke. Go buy another one. It's right. exactly what you're what's supposed to happen because better the energy goes to that than to you. Same thing with the Nazar. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that. Because I think people and misinterpret when something breaks. Sometimes something breaks because it's gotten in the way of you being injured. So you've got to change oh. your perception. Absolutely. I've had people 
come to me and say, you know, whether they're wearing a saint medal or um, a deity medal or a symbol, whether whatever it is, and say, oh, I guess, and it's broke. It, it broke, and people will say, oh, I guess he or she or, you know, this deity is, is did I do something? Is angry with him? No, they're protecting you. The fact yeah. that it broke is the yeah. fact that it took the energy that it was supposed to take. Which is absolutely brilliant and correct in my opinion. I totally agree with you 9,000%. So, Antonio, I have <laughs> talked your fucking ear off now. You must be like this woman won't <laughs> shut up. But anyway, no, not at all. I have loved this time with you, but I got to know, are you writing another book? What's coming next from you? Yes, I am writing another book. I I cannot speak about it just yet. Um, But when I am able to speak about it, believe me, you will, you will know, you will know. But yes, in fact, I am, I am writing another book. Um, I can't, like I said, I, I can't give you the, a, a publication date or anything like that just yet. Right. Um, but I think, you know, certainly sooner rather than later we'll, you know, be able to talk about that and, and I'll let, uh, let the world know about it. But the answer to that is yes. Fantastic. And in the couple of minutes we have left, tell people where they can find you because you are a wonderful human. Everybody, I've I got to tell everybody this. So when I was talking to people and telling them that I was going to have Antonio on, without fail, every person said to me, he's so wonderful, you're going to fall in love with him, he's the most, he's got great energy, 100% true, 100% true. I'm telling you guys, you got to get this book, The Evil Eye, The History, Mystery, and Magic of the Quiet Curse. I'm telling you, you don't have to be pagan, you don't have to be a witch, you don't have to be Italian, you don't have to be Muslim, you don't have to be Hindi, but any of those things. You can be all of these things plus so much more and get so much Mm -hmm. out of this book. It is actually my book for 2023. This is my favorite book of the year. So I've got to tell you guys. My goodness. Thank you. Thank you for that. I I don't say that lightly about anything or anybody. I've only had two favorite books for previous years in my whole life. Only two. This is number three. This book is a winner. Get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. You need it in your house. You've got to know about this energy. You've got to know how to control it and protect yourself because I'm telling you, the more we grow as a people and the more interactive we are online, the more we are open to these negative potential energies and the more we are able to send out these negative energies. So in order to get a grip, do things appropriately, because there are times when casting the evil eye is appropriate, which you will learn about in this book, because I want you to go buy it. Mm-hmm. That's why we're not talking about that part of it. But anyway, <laughs> and that's my rambling. Tell people Very where true. they can find you, honey. I'm sorry. Well, thank you for that. I appreciate it so much, Rena. And you can find me um, at online at antoniopagliarulo.com, just my name.com. You can also find me at italianwitch.com. And you can find me also, um, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Instagram, um, Twitter. You can find me all of those places. And feel free. Oh, my God. He just disappeared. Okay. That was interesting. Antonio, do you want to call back in for a second and finish that thought? Um, I'm going to give him a minute here to to call back in if he can. Um, He just went poof, out of of the call center. Okay. Um, But anyway, folks, again, he's incredible. He's got Facebook. He's got Insta. Oh, there he is. He is back. Hooray, hooray, hooray. Had an energy. Hello. Energy craziness. Go ahead, then. So, yes, I'm sorry, but so oh, definitely on. my website, AntonioPagliarulo.com, uh, and you can find me online, Instagram, Facebook, um, TikTok. I'm there. And please feel free to reach out. I, I encourage people to reach out. I love hearing from readers. Antonio, this has been such a fun hour for me. Please, 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 please come back on with me sometime. I, it has been a wonderful time. I look forward to coming back on. I really I can't believe it's been an hour. It felt like it was a minute. I know. 
You're so easy to talk to. This has just been so much fun for me. And I can't wait to actually get to talk to you about your next book. That's going to be incredible. You're going to have to come we on will for have that, that as convers- well. Absolutely. We will have that conversation. And thank you, Raina, for doing what you do. Oh, thank you. And doing I it so wonderfully. You- oh, you're so kind. You're, you're a complete love. Again, everybody, the book is The Evil Eye, The History, Mystery, and Magic of the Quiet Curse. It is my number one book for 2023. Please go get a copy uh, for anyone. Don't have to be a pagan or a witch to enjoy this book and learn from it. I know I learned a lot, and I'm not easy to teach at this point. But Antonio Pagliarulo, thank you again, my friend. I will talk with you soon. Thank you, Raina. Thank you. God I look bless forward you. to that. Be blessed and right, baby. You too. All right, guys, I'll be back tomorrow night with Laurel Woodward, and we're going to talk about witchery wellness, or wellness witchery, actually. Sorry. I love Laurel. She's a scream and a half. Um, Thank you, guys. I will see you tomorrow.